You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning and welcome back. Thank you for joining us on Real Presence Live this morning. I am Heather Caro. And I'm Doug Weingart. And Doug's about ready to just head on out. <laughs> yep, oh. he's, he's had it with me, That's folks. Good. She's, she's, I don't let him talk. She doesn't let me talk. She gives me weird looks. <laughs> We've had just an amazing show. If you missed uh, the last guest, that was Father Kirby talking about his Year with the Pope's book. Amazing. I want to see it. I want to read it. Um, If you've missed anything, you can always go back and check out our podcasts or check out our website, realpresenceradio.com, and you can find all of our podcasts on there, too, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm excited to move on to our next guest, Dan Leroy. Good morning, Dan. Morning. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New, New Year. Year. So you and you and Doug were chatting a little bit about uh, who you are because you guys have something in common. You both came from Pennsylvania. So tell us a little bit about who you are. Uh, I'm a journalist, an author, and a teacher. In fact, uh, I'm the last one right now. My class is... Uh, they're being looked after while I uh, while I do this, uh, and oh. the two, uh, the first and the third things are kind of combined because it is a journalism class. So they're working on the school newspaper as we speak. Oh, nice. very cool! So, what level is that? Like college kids, high school kids? Uh, uh, it is high school. Uh, I've taught a little bit at the college level, but uh, my day job is at a performing arts charter school, uh, right? To the northwest of Pittsburgh. Okay. Kind of your territory, Doug. Yeah, been out there. Been out there. Cool. So we're excited to have you on. Um, you are also promoting a book. Tell us a little bit about that book, Dan. Well, it's a book called Why We Think What We Think, uh, The Rise and Fall of Western Thought. And it's a book that, uh, you know, we were just talking about teaching. It's a book that came out of a class that I taught at the high school level for a number of years. I've taught an introductory philosophy class. And one of the things that I realized in, in the course of teaching this class is there really wasn't a single volume introduction to philosophy from a Catholic perspective. There are a lot of great books about philosophy. There are a lot of great books about Catholic philosophy. But there wasn't a kind of one-stop shop where you could get all of it in a single volume that's accessible, that has a sense of humor, that might not be too daunting for the beginner. And, you know, as an author, that's what you're always trying to find, the uh, the hole in the market that you think you can try to fill. So that's what I've tried to do with why we think what we think. Hmm. That sounds like a very daunting book to even think about to write. How did you, uh, how did you get inspired <laughs> to write it? <laughs> well, part of the part of the benefit is that it it came out of having taught this class for several mm. years, so I, I really had the benefit of kind of knowing where most of the big pieces were before I started. It would have been a lot more difficult if I were just beginning cold. Um, but one of the other advantages, besides just knowing the basics, is 
knowing that, uh, you know, it's a story. It isn't just a, a subject. And one of the reasons, one of the things you hear all the time uh, at the high school level in particular is, you know, history is a boring subject. It's a bunch of names. It's a bunch of dates. It's taught in such a way that it kind of turns a lot of people off. And if these mm-hmm. things are taught as a story, uh, it becomes a different proposition. This is a story, even though it covers 2,500 years of history, there is a through line that runs through this. It's not a, I guess you would say, uh, it's not a super happy story, just because uh, I think in the middle of this story of Western thought, we make a really big mistake that we're still trying to dig our way out of, which I, I think maybe we'll get to a little bit later in this, but even then, uh, by the end of the story, it's not a completely unhappy ending. I think there is some hope, and I think if you read the book, it, it doesn't leave you on a completely negative note. There are hopeful signs out there for those who hmm. know where to find them. So let's start with the basics. Um, the story details on how some Catholic philosophers are major contribute contributors to Western thought. So let's dive into what does that mean? What's Western thought? Sure. Western philosophy, it has its beginnings in ancient Greece, where lots and lots of things began. Greece was the home of the big three philosophers, and these are the three people that most of us have heard of. Socrates, who was the teacher of Plato, who was the teacher of Aristotle. And those three guys remain uh, three of the most influential philosophers in history. We're still contending with their ideas even today. But for about 1,500 years, if you say philosophy, you're talking about Catholic philosophy. And that includes two names who are on most people's lists of the greatest philosophers in history. Those would be St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas. And those two philosophers Mm -hmm. are considered so great, partly because they were able to take these ideas of the Greeks and bring them in line with Christian belief. Augustine did it with Plato. Aquinas had the tougher job because he not only had to deal with Plato and Augustine, but also Aristotle, whose work had (laughs) recently been rediscovered in the West after going missing for hundreds and hundreds of years. But Aquinas did it, and he did it so successfully that even today his influence is huge. Well, and I think a lot of people are listening to this, and they're like, this doesn't apply to me. How, ah. how wrong are they in that thinking? <laughs> well, uh, somebody, it's, it's a great question, because somebody asked me uh, recently in an interview, isn't philosophy something that we just ought to leave for the smart people? And it's kind of a variation on that question, and my response to that is, uh, look what leaving it to the smart people has meant especially over the last few hundred years. Uh, It's true that philosophy has become more and more of an academic discipline and a thing that most people believe has nothing to do with their lives, as you suggested. But when people talk about all the malaise of the modern world and they say, okay, how do we get here? How do we get to this place where we don't agree on 
you know, the most basic terminology of things. How do we get to the place where we mm. don't agree on the fact that there can be any sort of objective truth? How do we get here? Well, this is how we mm. got here. And we got here in large part because people, to an increasing extent, said, ah, philosophy, that has nothing to do with me. Well, it actually has everything to do with us. And if we're going to solve any of these problems, the only way to do it is go back to the root, and the root in a lot of cases is in philosophy, as is discussed in this book. Right. So how are some Catholic ideas, how are those woven into what we see today? Well, one of the big ideas that remains a, a, a common-sense idea for a lot of people, whether they realize it or not, is that God created the world in a way that human beings can understand. And that's an idea that goes back to the Greeks, Aristotle in particular. And it was adapted by the guy that a lot of people consider the greatest Catholic philosopher, Thomas Aquinas. But that's also a view that's completely congruent with science, which is something that a lot of people don't understand. The biggest mistake in, in Western thought happened when people moved away from this way of looking at the world. But the other thing that people, I think, understand kind of poorly is that Aquinas' philosophy was abandoned not because somebody suddenly showed up and, and proved that it was wrong. They abandoned it in large part because of another idea that's been very influential that it contained, and that is that man's mission in life is to seek the truth. That is our job as rational human beings. And that's an idea that comes from the Greeks in the hands of Catholic philosophers like Augustine and Aquinas, it makes perfect sense because we know that our job is to seek the truth, which is knowledge of God. But modern philosophers had a, a different concept of knowledge. For them, knowledge wasn't valuable for its own sake. It was valuable because it could be used to help man predict and control nature. And the ultimate goal of that project was to liberate man from every kind of constraint, including all the constraints of nature. So. You know, nature, in other words, wasn't a creation to know. Uh, it was a thing that we could bend to our will. It was a game to win. Man would become his own creator, and I think we can all see the substantial downside of how that's turned out. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we've kind of gone down this road um, a little too far, but how do we turn it around? Well, the first step, uh, like we were just talking about, is, is knowledge. Knowledge as the pursuit of truth. And we have to go back to the roots. The roots of this, again, b begin in Greece, but they end up, for Catholics, in the hands of people like Augustine and Aquinas. And we have to rediscover what these people said, but we also have to make sure that what we're rediscovering is what they actually said. There's a lot of received mm. wisdom out there about what these philosophers actually believed, and there's a lot of received wisdom about this idea that somehow science came along and invalidated all this stuff, and that's completely not the case. You know, in Aquinas' time, a guy might be a theologian, he might be a philosopher, and he might also be a scientist. There are lots and lots of examples of people who checked all three of these boxes. All of the stuff that we think of as 
important in sciences today, uh, you can trace a lot of it back to the medieval period when Catholics were working as scientists with the full support of the Church. So we need to know, again, what has been said, and we need to know that this idea that philosophy and Catholic theology uh, were disproven by science, we, we have to know that that is not the case. The reason that people abandoned Aquinas' thought is not because somebody came along and debunked it. They left it because it was inconvenient for them, because it was getting in the way of the science that they wanted to propagate and the liberation of man. Uh, so this idea that somehow this stuff was swept away in the medieval period and anybody who is interested in it is going back to something that's been discredited, uh, it's just wrong. And that's one of the things that why we think what we think tries to tackle this idea of setting the record straight about what the Catholic philosophers in the book in particular believed and why this idea that they have been disproven is mistaken. And we're not feeling very liberated, are we? <laughs> well, that's, that's the great paradox of the whole thing, right? Like, the freer you get, uh, the less free you actually are. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Dan Leroy, who wrote the book, Why We Think What We Think. Um, it's kind of an introduction to Catholic philosophers and how they've shaped Western thought. Uh, we're just having an intense discussion with uh, Dan about this. But, Dan, we need to take a quick break. Uh, will you stick with us through the break, and we'll continue this conversation on the other side? Absolutely. All right, folks, stay with us. More Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. At the University of Mary, we offer an education for the whole of life. Our values-based, flexible, and affordable education will prepare you for success and help you become a leader in your field. Whether you want to start your degree for the first time or continue your education, whether you are a working professional or want to pursue school full-time, join us for an education that will help you make a positive impact in our community. Discover the Mary difference. Umary.edu. That's umary.edu. God's blessings to all of you. My name is Father Chad Wilhelm, and I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fargo. And this year, I celebrate 25 years of being a priest. And the joy, the great things that I love about the priesthood is the deep relationship that Jesus and I have as speaking heart to heart. He knows the depths of my heart, and he speaks to all of us in the depths of our heart. That's what I enjoy about being a priest, that I get to speak about Jesus, not just on Sundays, but every day of my life, and that I've given my life to Jesus and the church. What a wonderful grace and a gift that has been for me for 25 years, and to serve the good people of the Diocese of Fargo, but just to serve the church as a whole. May God continue to bless all of you as you listen to Real Presence Radio. Did you know you can listen to Real Presence live anytime on any podcast platform? 
Just search for Real Presence Radio on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on the Real Presence Radio website. Then subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating so other people can find us as well. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning and welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Doug Weingart. And we're your hosts this morning for Real Presence Live, broadcasting from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's been a pleasure having you join us this fine morning, New Year 2024, second day, first show Hard to believe, but we're talking with Dan Leroy, who wrote the book, Why We Think What We Think. It's been a great conversation, Dan. Um, so who are some of the philosophers that are included in this book? Well, we try to get to pretty much everybody who was anybody, uh, right from Thales uh, in ancient Greece all the way up to the last guy that we talk about in the book, who is the only philosopher who, at least at the time of going to press is still living, and that's the philosopher Alistair McIntyre, who is a Catholic philosopher, 94 years old now, I believe. But we try to cover all the poles in between those two guys. Among the Catholic philosophers that we cover, we do the ones that you would expect, Augustine, Aquinas. We look at some of the folks who came after Aquinas, uh, including William of Ockham, who actually undid a lot of the work that uh, Aquinas did. And then we look at some, you know, in in the last hundred years, I guess I would say, uh, it's been a pretty bleak period for philosophy. In fact, the whole 20th century and into the the 21st, uh, there's not a lot of great news. Philosophy kind of shrinks and shrinks and shrinks until... Uh, it reaches this point, uh, as you were saying earlier, Heather, where it's just, it's something that most people believe is irrelevant, doesn't have anything to do with their lives. And they're actually not wrong. If you look at some of the very, very technical places philosophy went in the 20th century, it's kind of hard for most people to understand how this could have any relevance to them. But one of the things that rarely gets talked about in any histories of philosophy, certainly, uh, not ever in any secular histories of philosophy, is the importance of some of the popes of the 19th and the 20th centuries, several of whom were really significant, real, like we're not carving out a place for these guys just because we feel sorry for them or because it's a Catholic (laughs) book. These guys were real philosophers. You look at Pope Leo in the 19th century and his response to both communism and, and capitalism uh, you look at um, you look at uh, Saint John Paul II and his theology of the body and his book Person and Act, which are both the work of a very very serious philosophical mind that can stand alongside any of these secular philosophers. You even look at the late Pope Benedict, who we don't really get into him very much in the book, but certainly was a guy who had a great philosophical mind and wrote a lot of significant philosophy. So popes get written out of this history, 
partly mm. because they're popes, and why are we going to give these guys any credit? But it really is a, a disservice to these guys who were not just great spiritual leaders, but also great and significant thinkers. So I'm going to ask a basic question. How does a philosopher get to be a philosopher? How do you categorize them? Do they have a degree? How does that work? Ah, well, that's a, it's actually, it's a basic question, but it's really a great question because maybe we could answer it this way. Uh, you know, in the old, old days, going back to the days of classical Greece, uh, a philosopher was someone who was trying to seek the truth uh, about the world. And in a lot of ways, they were indistinguishable from scientists. In fact, Thales, the first real Western philosopher, a lot of people look at him as one of the early, early scientists as well. Today, and by today we're talking again about the last 100, 150 years, uh, starting in the end of the, uh, end of the 18th, beginning of the 19th century, philosophy started to become an academic discipline. It's mm-hmm. separate from theology. It's also separate in a lot of ways from science. And that's where we get this idea of, okay, if you're a philosopher, then you have to be a teacher, you have to have a doctorate, you have to work at a mm-hmm. university. And that, again, that's how popes get written out of this uh, sort of thing, uh, because they're not professional academics, even though they have in some cases, the academic chops to rival any of these highly decorated philosophers. But that idea uh, about this is what it takes to be a philosopher is one of the ways that I think philosophy has made itself irrelevant. Uh, philosophers starting really with Immanuel Kant uh, toward the end of the 18th century they started not only to be academics, but they started to write in a style that's very dense, that's very technical, that's very, very difficult for the average person to read. This is really where we get this caricature of the philosopher as somebody who writes a bunch of stuff that's indecipherable. It's not completely unwarranted, but as philosophy becomes more and more academic, more insular, more of a, a very small club, that's when a lot of people, not unreasonably, decide, well, this has nothing to do with me. I'm not an academic. I'm not going to fight my way through six or 700 pages of academic text uh, where I have to have a footnote every other sentence. Uh, so one of the tragic things about the story of philosophy is that philosophy in, in large part has become irrelevant, and it's become irrelevant because it made itself irrelevant in a lot of ways, and that's one of the ways that it did so. Well, and I would think some of the great philosophers, um, Catholic philosophers, that it was actually just a charism and a gift um, that you can't really put into a box. I I think Aquinas is a great example of that. I mean, there's a guy who is a true polymath, who is good at a whole bunch of things, who's one of the smartest guys who ever lived. He doesn't fit into Mm -hmm. a a single box. You could say the same thing about Augustine, who is, among other things, one of the truly great writers among philosophers. This is a guy whose two books are still being read 
today, mm-hmm. his confessions and, and city of God, uh, just apart from the philosophy and the theology, they're great literature. He was a great writer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dan, can you tell the listeners where they could uh, get this book? They can, and they can't get it anywhere just yet because it's not out until the end of <laughs> February. But when it does come out, you'll be able to get it through uh, the publisher, Sophia Press, and that's SophiaInstitute.com. It'll also be available through my own website, which is Dan Leroy, that's L-E-R-O-Y.com, and there you'll be able to buy signed copies. And then you can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual online outlets as soon as it comes out as well. Very good. Well, Dan, it's been a pleasure having you on this morning. Any last thoughts for our listeners before we let you go? One more. We talk a lot about what we can do to convince mm-hmm. people of the, the truth of Catholic theology, but maybe we ought to consider whether we can first convince people, skeptics especially, of the truth of Catholic philosophy. Now, that's how it happened with converts like the great philosopher Alistair McIntyre, who's mentioned in this book, and maybe it can happen for others as well. Beautiful. Well, Dan, it's been a pleasure having you on this morning. Uh, We thank you for sharing your book with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, and I really appreciate the chance to talk philosophy. Not everybody (laughs) wants to do that, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have a great day, Dan. Thank you so much. And you both. Thank you as well. Thank you. All right. Well, Doug... First show under wraps. How does that feel? I didn't let you talk at all. I, I did some talking there. You did? I, yes. You did. I, I'm trying. I know. It's hard. Yes. It's hard when you have someone like me just bulldozing everything. That's okay. But you got man, all the questions. It was, it we've was good. We got some interesting was, people, didn't we? <laughs> two books I am oh already looking gosh. forward to. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> totally interesting. Well, let's hear what we have going on Thursday. Aaron, how's it going up there in Fargo? It's going great. Good. What do we have coming up? On the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from <laughs> 9 to 11 a.m. Central, your host will be Brad Gray coming to you live from Fargo, North Dakota. His guests will include Jason Jones, who will speak about the campaign against the Great Reset, and Dr. Ray Gurendi will speak about how discipline makes better teenagers with stronger faith. All this and more is coming to you on the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. Very good. Well, today I think we had a pretty awesome show. Uh, Thank you, Aaron, for running the board up there in Fargo. We had trouble connecting this morning. And I just think God was laughing. <laughs> yeah, both of us. <laughs> both of us. I'm here trying to teach Doug how to do these things. And then the the equipment doesn't work like it should. Of course. You know, that's the way it goes. But if you missed any of the show, uh, we started with a quick update from my daughter from the SEEK conference that's going on this week in St. Louis. So keep all of those students, thousands of students mm-hmm. in your prayers. Um, and then we learned a little bit about who Doug is. Uh joined by Jenny Strzok from the Bishop O'Gorman Catholic School System. We had Father Kirby. My mom's going to be jealous. (laughs) 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 He was talking about his new book, Year with the Popes. And then we just finished off with Dan Leroy. Just really amazing guests on today, sharing a lot of useful information and just deep thoughts. Wasn't today like the second hour was like deep thoughts? Yes. It was it was a good hour. <laughs> first, I'm not I'm uh, not nearly as wise as I was either, just going to say I'm not. You just heard my whole story in a half hour. So. <laughs> Some deep 
deep thoughts, which makes me happy knowing that there are some deep thinkers in our Catholic faith. <laughs> yes. We're not relying on me. <laughs> yes, yes, nor, nor myself. But Yeah. So yeah. if you've missed any of that, I'll repeat it. Uh, we have a free app that you can listen to us whenever, wherever you're at. You can just go to your app store and download Real Presence Radio. People, a lot of people are surprised we have an app. Yeah. And there's a lot on there. Uh, yeah. My two kids are listening today from the app. Oh. One's in Pittsburgh. You want to give a shout out? Oh, Emily, Josie. Hi. hi love you. Hi. Dad says hi. <laughs> so, yeah, we have people that listen, like our uh, snowbirds listen in Florida oh, to that us. Makes sense. So they can keep up to date what's going on up here. And the app is great. Yeah. So you can listen to all of our podcasts on there, or you can go to realpresenceradio.com. We usually have it uploaded in the afternoon. But um, thank you for listening. It's been a great show. First one of the year. Hope everybody had a blessed Christmas. It's still continuing. Yes, and a good New Year's. All right. God bless, everyone. God bless. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.